Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports Insights Podcast. I'm David Solar, joined once again by Dan McGuire. Got plenty of new NFL props on the board. We just had the NFL draft last weekend, and we're in the midst of MLB season and the NBA and NHL playoffs. Got a lot to get through today. So, you know, before we jump in, I just want to remind everyone to sign up for a four-day trial of Sportsbook Insider Pro for real-time odds, public betting trends, money percentages, bet signals, and all the tools that you need to make smarter bets. Let's jump right into the action, and we're going to start with NFL win totals, uh, which were just released at uh, South Point in Las Vegas. Dan, I wonder if you could sort of walk us through, tell me what jumps off the board at you, which totals are interesting to you, anything that sort of surprised you? Yeah, I think the first thing is obviously the uh, the highest team's win total, and that's the Patriots, um, obviously coming off the Super Bowl win last year. They opened at 11 at South Point, uh, juiced up a little bit on the over at minus 120, um, but that didn't last long at all. You know, I think a lot of public betters and even the sharp betters as well thought that number was a little too low, um, you know, coming off their great season last year. So that total's actually already moved from 11 to 12 right now. And at 12, you know, I don't see a whole lot of value. I know a lot of public betters still feel pretty good about the Patriots, but, um, you know, I think a lot of those early betters actually sucked the value out at 11 and 11 and a half. So uh, I think the value's gone on the Patriots over at that point. Um, the other thing I thought was kind of interesting was uh, some movement on the Browns as well. They opened as the lowest total uh, at four wins at South Point, and they've actually moved up to four and a half. So it looks like some early betters uh, like the Browns this year. Hopefully they can win you know, more than one game. Um, I wouldn't feel too confident betting in that, but that's obviously where some of the early action is uh, on the Browns and the, the Patriots win totals. Yeah, and I know uh, earlier in the week, CG Technology posted their lines for every game between week one and 16. And I mean, obviously, you can quickly turn all those numbers into you know, an implied win probability. Uh, and those are really a great tool in trying to figure out what the win total should be, uh, just from sort of a Vegas perspective. So we did do that analysis and found four totals that looked like they were offering early value, uh, with the Jaguars over five and a half, the Bills over six, the Titans under nine and a half, and the Ravens under nine and a half. Uh, and we've actually had two of those plays confirmed with early sharp money on that uh, on that Tennessee under and the Jacksonville over. Of course, we've seen Jacksonville uh, sharp action in the past on the over. Certainly saw that last year. Uh, did not work out for betters. I believe that was, uh, what, they were seven, seven and a half last year. Uh, obviously, they struggled. Jacksonville finished the season with just three wins. Real disappointing season. But there is talent there. So, you know, at five and a half, they have a super easy schedule. They added Leonard Fournette in the draft. There is some offensive talent there. Obviously, questions about Blake Bortles. Uh, and a lot of these plays aren't going to be pretty. But, you know, the numbers indicate that that total should probably be six and a half as opposed to five and a half. Yeah, like you said, the start betters do tend to like the Jaguars before the seasons uh, for some reason or another. I know last year, some start betters actually even liked them to win the AFC South, which obviously they weren't even close. But... Um, you know, I think they're back on them again this year. They're probably leaning towards their over, and I definitely agree on that Titans under. You know, when I first looked at it, I said nine and a half. That's a little too high, even as a, a Titans homer fan. So um, I would have been betting that under nine and a half as well, and I think that's actually moved a little bit. Um, I think it's down to nine now. Um, so I think the value's gone at nine and a half, but yeah, that was definitely a little too high. I think odds are a little too high on the Titans this year. Well, it's funny because I thought, you know, last week we were talking about the Titans, and I was ready to be all in on the Titans. I was optimistic about their their prospects this season. I like Mariota, but there is some talent in that division, uh, or at least I think it's pretty top-heavy. Um, you know, with 
sort of, uh, you know, the Titans, the Texans, the Colts sort of all jumbled in at the top. Um, you know, and Jaguar sort of lurking at the bottom of the division. I was I was surprised to see it open nine and a half. You know, that would have been something if I had seen it open eight, eight and a half. You know, that was more of what I was expecting. Uh, but it does look like there was a little bit of an overreaction. There's value on that under nine and a half. Don't necessarily think that they're winning ten games this season. Yeah, I'd be surprised if that happened. I'd be happy, but I'd be surprised. <laughs> we also saw divisional odds posted at uh, at CG Technology. So just running through it, the Patriots are minus 350 to win the AFC East. The Steelers are plus 125 to win the AFC North. The Texans are plus 180 to win the AFC South. Uh, but that is pretty competitive with the Colts plus 200 and the Titans plus 220. Yeah, and that one's interesting, like you said, because the Titans had the highest win total at South Point at 9.5, but they have the third best odds to win the division at CJ Technology. And obviously the win totals and the odds to win the division are all pretty close together, but I thought that was... Uh... An interesting discrepancy, obviously, you know, highlights the value of, you know, shopping for the best line and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And this is sort of an unrelated prop bet, but over at Bet Online, you can bet uh, whether or not any division winner will have, you know, over under eight and a half wins. And the under is plus 200 right now. And because I think those, the ASC is so consolidated at the top with those three teams just right in line with each other, I wouldn't be surprised to see two or maybe three of those teams going eight and eight. And honestly, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility to see the Titans winning the division with a 500 record. So, you know, plus 200 for a division winner. We've certainly seen it recently with the sort of mediocre teams sneaking into the playoffs. I kind of think it's going to happen again. Yeah, that makes sense. And especially if, you know, people think that Jacksonville is going to be a little better, that obviously if they can get a, a win or two in their division, that'll obviously, um, you know, jumble the pack at the top a little bit more as well. Just sort of going down the rest of these uh, divisional odds, Get the Raiders at plus 180 to win the AFC West. Cowboys plus 120 to win the NFC East. The Packers minus 130 to win the NFC North. The Falcons plus 150 to win the NFC South. And the Seahawks minus 300 to win the NFC West. I do like the Steelers to win the AFC North. Uh, You know, I think a lot of people are optimistic about the Ravens, like I said, of taking their under 9.5. I think the Steelers are far and away the best team in that division. I think their offense is leaps and bounds better than really anyone in the AFC outside maybe the Patriots. Uh, I just think the Steelers are a scary team, so you know, you're not getting great odds, but you know, getting that plus 120 I actually think is a decent number. Yeah, they can just stay healthy too. They haven't been healthy lately, and they've still been pretty good, so you know, healthy core. I definitely like that pick. Yeah, and they won't have to deal with Le'Veon Bell being suspended for the first three games. At least not yet. Not yet, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I was also kind of curious about this one. We sort of talked about them as a long-shot Super Bowl contender last week. Uh, but the Panthers at plus 290 to win the NFC North, and that looks like an excellent price because I think the Falcons are due for a major regression. The Buccaneers are still really young, even though they do have some talent on the, on the offensive side of the ball. The Saints lost Cooks in free agency. Uh, they still have a lot of holes in their secondary, really all over their defense. I just think the Panthers are the best team in the division. You're buying low after a bad season, and assuming Cam Newton's healthy, they added Christian McCaffrey to that offense. I just think they're the best team in the NFC North, so plus 270 for me is an excellent price. Yeah, I agree. I think I'd hop on. I'm definitely expecting the Carolina to have a turnaround year. And it's kind of interesting. I think both the South Divisions, AFC and NFC, are probably the most intriguing in my opinion, just because I think anyone can win it. Um, I think there's some regression at the top. You know, like you said, the Falcons, I don't know if you know they're clear-cut favorites at this point. They're only plus 150 uh, to win the division coming off a, a Super Bowl loss last year. So 
Um, yeah, I'd say that division's up for grabs. I kind of like Carolina there at that value. Yeah, and of course, right now, you know, for most of these prop bets we're discussing, there's only one, maybe two books that are even hanging odds. Uh, you know, and they get their action by beating everyone else to market with their numbers, uh, which means sometimes these numbers are a little bit soft. But you know, a lot of times the juice isn't great, and you don't have the options to shop around. So, you know, you don't necessarily need to place this wager yet, especially since you're not going to get paid out until you know the beginning of January. Yeah. Uh, so definitely, you know. There's no rush. Take your time. Shop the best line. But certainly this is what's jumping off on these opening numbers. Obviously, we had the NFL draft last week. And for the most part, there weren't really any big odds moves. And just as a general statement, and I think we touched on this last week, it's really public perception that's moving these lines for the most part. Uh, there's very few rookie players that can step in and make a huge impact on a team. Uh, certainly, you know, the Cowboys had two instrumental players on their offense last year. But, you know, I think that's sort of the exception that proves the rule, uh, if you will. Yeah, and I think if you really like those particular rookies, you're probably better off just betting them to win Rookie of the Year rather than, you know, banking on the team to do well because of their success. You know, for example, like Deshaun Watson for the Texans. I think you're probably better off just taking them to win Offensive Rookie of the Year than taking, you know, the Texans to win the Super Bowl. I think that's a, a big long shot, even if he improves them, so... I'd probably look towards more of the individual guys, especially last year, like Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. You could have just taken them to win Offensive Rookie of the Year instead of the Cowboys. So, yeah, It is interesting, though, because Watson is the player that uh, I think a lot of people got excited about. I mean, the Texans gave up a ton to get him. They probably overpaid, but uh, if he can be half of what people think he can be, uh, I mean, it's going to be a huge upgrade over Tom Savage. And we did see the Texans' odds of winning the Super Bowl jump from 28-1 to 1 to 22-1. to 1. What's interesting is that, you know, weeks back, I think when they first opened, the Texans were like 60 to 1, and we saw that number jump to, you know, what, 30 to 1, maybe 25 to 1, depending on what book you were looking at. Once they uh, traded Osweiler, it looked like Tony Romo might be uh, might be signing there. Uh, but, you know, th- right now they've been the biggest mover just throughout the offseason. But let's, let's talk a little bit more about Watson and the rest of the rookie crop. I know earlier this week, Bavada posted odds for Rookie of the Year. Uh, we sort of talked about what we anticipated these odds to be last week, and I think we sort of projected that it would be the running backs at the top of the list. And it is. It's you know Jacksonville's Leonard Fournette, plus 350. Carolina's Christian McCaffrey at plus 500 to win Rookie of the Year. And then Deshaun Watson at 6-1. Uh, at to one. But right behind that is a guy that I know you're interested in, uh, and that's Corey Davis from the Titans. Yeah, I guess I'm going all in on Corey Davis at this point. Uh, he's a plus 800 to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's in a pretty good spot in Tennessee, obviously. Um, you know, they got Mariota behind center, and offensive line looks a little better. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd probably take a shot at Davis. I think it's a pretty wide-open field. I wouldn't feel good about taking a running back uh, to win this award. And, you know, looking at the quarterbacks, I am a big Watson guy, but I'm not seeing, you know, Trubisky winning it this year or, like, Deshaun Kaiser, 1,200. Um, so if I'm putting my money down, it's going to be on Corey Davis at, at plus 800. Yeah, and right now there's odds for about 15 players, and we still don't really know what some of these roles will be. You know, I know before last season, Five Dimes posted odds for, what, 40-plus different rookies. Um, and, you know, right now, Bovada, the longest odds they're offering are 25-1, to 1, whereas last year, uh, you know, when you had that tremendous story with Dak Prescott, he opened 500-1 to 1 at Five Dimes. There's nobody approaching those type of long odds, but, you know, I definitely wait because a lot of times you can find sort of under-the-radar running backs you know, that end up slipping into a starting role that you can find at, at sort of longer odds. 
So the one guy I really like is Deshaun Watson, uh, even at 6-1, to one, just because he does have that, uh, that job security. And although Rookie of the Year has historically been dominated by running backs, that hasn't been the case recently. I think it's either seven or eight times in the last 13 years we've seen quarterbacks win this award. Uh, you know, as the league has moved into more and more of a passing league and some of these quarterbacks enter the league, you know, sort of more NFL ready. I think Watson has the tools around him to have success. He should be their week one starter, assuming everything goes to plan. I don't think they want to start Savage. I'd wait on this because I wouldn't be surprised if you end up getting better than six to one elsewhere. Uh, he's one name that's that's sort of interesting to me. Yeah, if he was, uh, there's a guy I'd have to pick besides Davis, I think it'd be Watson, so... Um, yeah, like you said, maybe not take it yet. You can probably find a better price at plus 600 and plus 800 on those guys, but uh, you know, I'd definitely be looking around the market for some better prices. Another guy, and I think you'll be able to get better odds, and quite frankly, I hate to admit I like this, but right now Joe Mixon is 12-1, to 1, and obviously he's had his issues uh, off the field, and I feel a little bit dirty saying this, but... He has all the opportunity to be the man in Cincinnati. Burkhead's gone, who got a lot, got some carries, moved to New England over the offseason. People talked about Mixon as being a first-round talent. Uh, certainly his, his measurables were really impressive. And he's got that fast 40 speed. I could absolutely see him taking over that starting job in Cincy and running with it. Again, he's 12-1 to 1 right now. I wouldn't be surprised if once other books open, you can start finding sort of longer odds. But I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on him. Let's shift for a second. Uh, we've got the Kentucky Derby coming up this weekend. Uh, obviously one of the biggest sports betting events of the year. Uh, I just want to sort of run through the field. You know, it's going to be Saturday at 6.30 Eastern time. Uh, and right now it doesn't look like there's really that clear-cut favorite like we've had in the past. Where, um, you know, sort of going into the Derby, there was one horse that everyone was eyeing. Uh, right now over at Five Dimes, you've got Always Dreaming as the favorite at plus 5.75. But there's plenty of competition right on the seals. Classic Empire at six to one, uh, Irish War Cry plus seven fifty, McCracken at plus eight hundred. I'm curious, what type of movement have we seen in the market, and what are the, who are the horses to keep an eye on? Yeah, you know, I think this is a great race for public betters, just because there's, like you said, there's no clear cut favorite. You know, the the biggest favorite right now is always dreaming at plus five seventy five. That's almost unheard of. Um, in the last four years, the favorite has won the Kentucky Derby. So you haven't found a whole lot of value at the top of the list there, but you know any of the four top favorites, um, I think have a really good chance. I know listening to a lot of the sharp guys around the market, and they, a lot of people seem to like Irish War Cry. Um, you know he hasn't seen a whole lot of movement um, since opening. You know a couple weeks ago, he's still around plus seven fifty around the market. But you know, I have been looking around. There's some books that have him down to plus five hundred, plus six hundred. Um, he seems to be a really popular pick. Um, so Irish War Cry, I would definitely keep an eye on uh, for this weekend. And also keep an eye on the, the weather. That's going to be a crucial factor this weekend. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be really sloppy, overcast all Saturday. You know, they're saying it's supposed to clear up by race time, but you know the track condition is going to be you know, more important than actually raining during the race. So um, you know that's definitely going to affect these guys. It's going to move the odds. And you know a good thing about betting the offshore market too is that once you bet you know at that number, like say you take Irish War Cry, War Cry plus seven fifty, you're getting plus seven fifty. It's not like you're at the track and you're taking whatever you know, the odds are at the time of the race. So, um, you know, I'd probably, I'd probably wait a little bit. I think you should get some better odds if you do like him, but uh, Irish War Cry seems to be a pretty popular horse around the market. Not saying this is necessarily sharp, but as a sentimental favorite, I'm going to be rooting for Patch. 
who's at uh, 38 to 1. Patch is running with one eye, and if you're not rooting for the one-eyed horse, I mean, you really have to look yourself in the mirror. Yeah, isn't it tough spot? He's in the, uh, the 20th post position. Um, you know, kind of a long shot right now, but his odds have dwindled since, you know, up, opening a couple weeks ago. He was at plus 4,500, uh, plus 6,000 last week, and now plus 3,800, like you said. So, yeah, still a long shot, but, you know, this is a race where a long shot, you know, has a better chance than years past, so and why not root for Patch? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so definitely check out our blog to see the most updated odds and definitely make sure to shop for the best line because I remember last year some of the odds just from book to book varied tremendously uh, in the hours leading up to the race. Yeah, they'll change a ton Saturday, so I mean, just be patient even if it's 6 o'clock and you're waiting for a good line, you know, just be patient. All right, let's shift our focus over to the NBA. You know, we've got two series that don't look like they're very competitive, uh, the Cavs and Warriors dominating, not surprising. Celtics-Wizards series has been fantastically entertaining in last night's game. It wasn't close, but it made for great TV. Uh, and then you got a great series with the Rockets and Spurs tied up at one. Certainly my 5-1 my, uh, to one ticket on the Spurs winning the West took a hit with uh, Tony Parker missing the rest of the playoffs. It's a tough hit for them. You know, he might be 34 years old. You know, his, his numbers have sort of dwindled a little bit. Uh, but certainly his impact will be felt, probably still worth half point, point to the line. Just looking at the series odds, Celtics now minus 275 to win their series uh, against Washington. Cavs at minus 2,000. Golden State, their odds are actually off the board. Uh, they were minus 8,500 before game two. Uh, most books just don't want to lay that number. Really not worth it to them. And then essentially a coin flip in that, that uh, San Antonio-Houston series right now. Houston's minus 120 to win. One thing I do want to touch on, uh, earlier in this week I spoke to Scott Cooley over at Bookmaker. Uh, we were talking just because historically there's been a lot of value to home court advantage during the NBA playoffs. We've sort of seen that flip this year, and I think we've seen some lines that a lot of bettors may be somewhat confused by uh, in that, you know, the Celtics closed minus four in game one, minus five in game two, and then last you know, last night it totally flipped. Wizards closed you know, between minus five and minus five and a half. Uh, and so, you know, there's that conventional logic that home court's worth two and a half to three points during the regular season. And quite frankly, we've just seen that number you know, is a lot more valuable during the postseason, where it's worth you know, upwards of four points, which I think is way more than betters might expect. So if you do start to see some of these lines that flip more than you'd anticipate, uh, that might be one reason. The other thing I want to focus on was the public betting in tonight's Cavs-Raptors game, uh, which right now we're seeing at historic levels. Uh, you know, Dating back to 2005, no NBA playoff team has received more than 81% of spread tickets, uh, and that was that 08 Celtics team with Pierce, Garnett, and Allen. Uh, yeah, they got 81% in their series against the Hawks. Right now, you've got the Cavs getting 85% of spread tickets, 93% of spread dollars, 80% of money line tickets, 82% of parlays. They're just getting hammered across the marketplace. And based on the way they've been dominating this series, and considering the fact that Kyle Lowry is still listed as questionable for tonight, you know it's not surprising to see this type of action. And really, it's been a mixture of public and sharp money. Cleveland opened minus one and a half at Chris. We've already seen that line jump up to three and a half. 
you know, part of that might be due to the fact that Kyle Lowry himself was saying that he wasn't sure if he was going to play tonight, which makes it sound like he's a little closer to doubtful than probable. And we've also seen that pinnacle steam move trigger on Cleveland minus two. Um, that pinnacle steam move is up 23 units on the season. Definitely a, a good sharp money indicator. Uh, so it does look like you've got a combination of public and sharp betters on Cleveland, which is why you've seen that two-point line move. Yeah, and we always preach, you know, fading the public, especially in the playoffs. But, um, you know, we have found a little bit of discrepancy in the rounds of the playoffs if you're fading the public. Uh, you know, teams getting less than 40% actually do a lot better once you get to the conference finals and the NBA finals. So, you know, in this round, the Cavs are getting 85%, which is a ton of support. We probably wouldn't recommend betting on the Cavs. But um, seeing as that it's the only, only the second round uh, of the playoffs, um, you know, these publicly backed teams actually don't fare too poorly. Um, they, they actually get a lot worse once you get into those conference finals and NBA finals where you know, I think all the teams are pretty even. So I would just keep an eye out on that. Yeah, and this has actually been a pretty solid playoffs overall for favorites and road teams. Um, you know, Road teams have gone 32-21 and 21 ATS during the 2017 playoffs, uh, and that includes a 9-2 and two ATS mark for road favorites. Uh, so certainly they've been doing well. It's a small sample size. It's not actionable, but certainly you know a trend that we'll continue to monitor. Uh, the other big thing is that we've actually seen these sort of smaller favorites, so you know five and a half points or less. Uh, they've gone 18 and 11 ATS, whereas the larger favorites, you know, six plus points, uh, are just 10 and 14 ATS. And surprisingly, six has actually been a somewhat key number for basketball betters. Um, now, there's not really this same concept of key numbers for basketball as there is for football, uh, but certainly in two-possession games, you start to see you know, there's less fouling at the end, there are fewer backdoor covers, and just generally it's easier to cover a smaller spread. Uh, sort of seems basic, but uh, we've definitely seen that during the postseason. Uh, you know, these favorites take a small lead late, they get fouled, they get to, you know, add a few chippies from the line, ends up being a lot easier to cover these small spreads. I think it's kind of interesting that we've seen the bigger favorites, you know, 10 plus point favorites like the Warriors. They've actually been backdoored a few times already this playoffs. I know at least once or twice in the first round against the Blazers. And then actually last night, the Jazz had a, a really late cover uh, to lose by 11 against the Warriors. So, you know, we had found that, you know, big favorites have done well in the playoffs, but they've actually been getting backdoored uh, in the playoffs this year, most, most notably Golden State. So, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Similarly, we're seeing some pretty one-sided betting in the Spurs-Rockets game tonight. 76% of early tickets are on the Rockets. Like we said, Parker's going to be missing the game. And, you know, we've already seen the Rockets move from minus four to minus five. So it does look like public money is moving the line in that game. Uh, but for me, the way more interesting action is actually on the total in this game. Where, I mean, not surprising, the Rockets have you know, are arguably the most explosive offense in the league. You've got 77% of tickets, 81% of money taking the over, yet we've seen that total drop from 216 to 213.5 at Chris. Uh, so, pretty sizable reverse line movement on that total. Pretty good indicator that sharp money's taking the under. Of course, this isn't surprising. Pretty much you see the majority of betters taking the over in close to 90% of NBA playoff games. Um, but the fact that you've got, in both of these games, you know, public pounding the over, sharps taking the under, uh, pretty par for the course. Let's shift it over to the NHL. We've got two games on tonight. Certainly we've been talking a lot about the Predators as a potential value pick, uh, you know, earlier in the playoffs. I'm curious, 
how are they doing? What's what's their uh, public betting looking like? I know they've got a big game on tap tonight. Yeah, they're looking good. They have a three-one uh, series lead right now. Um, game five tonight in St. Louis. They're actually just getting over fifty percent of the the uh, money line tickets right now. Fifty-three percent, and that game's a pick 'em right now. Um, you know, I do like the Preds to put them away. I actually took them to win in five games before the series, so I'm, you know, kind of doubling down here on the Predators. But uh, yeah, they're in good position. They played really well. Um, the other series in the West uh, is tied two-two with Edmonton and Anaheim, so it looks like they. You know, a win tonight could actually put them on a few days rest before their next series, uh, which would be really beneficial. You know, in the playoffs where you know guys are just struggling and have injuries, and they need as much rest as they can possibly get. So that's that's definitely going to benefit Nashville. Yeah, and sorry to shift the focus, but while you were talking, we actually just saw more steam triggered on uh, the Cavs tonight. They just moved from three and a half to four at Chris, and based on that, it's looking increasingly likely that Kyle Lowry will not be playing. You know, we'll wait and certainly check out our official injury page, uh, but that's now a two-and-a-half-point line move, which definitely seems to indicate Lowry will not be on the floor. Yeah, that's another reason not to be too afraid of the public bank percentages because a lot of people are taking the Cavs, you know, minus two, minus two-and-a-half early on, hoping Lowry wouldn't play now that he looks like he's really doubtful. You know, you, you definitely got a better line by at least a point, point-and-a-half. So. Yeah, and sorry to disrupt that. <laughs> uh all right, tell me what else we're seeing in the NHL. Uh, I thought that this might be the year for the for the Capitals. They're not looking too good right now. Yeah, they look like a good pick, um, especially because the public was really heavy on you know the Penguins series price and the game one price and everything. But uh, public obviously has been cashing on Pittsburgh. However, there is no Sidney Crosby uh, for game four, uh, for game five, I should say. Uh, he's out with a concussion right now. So the Caps, you know. Have a little bit of a chance. They're still plus four fifty to come back and win this series. Um, obviously, looked a lot better before the series started, but um, yeah, they're getting about two thirds of tickets for tomorrow night. Big minus one seventy favorites at home. You know, I'd be surprised if they they couldn't win this one in desperation times. But uh, you know, Pittsburgh just looks like a, a great team right now, gelling even without Crosby. So um, I'd probably pass on that one, even though I did like you know, Washington before the series started. And I know we talked about how road teams have been doing in the NBA playoffs. Uh, how they have they been doing in the NHL so far? Yeah, they've done pretty well so far in the uh, in the NHL playoffs as well. They're thirty-one and twenty-seven, so just over five hundred. But on the money line, that's good for about eleven and a half units. Um, and underdogs have done well as also. Um, you know, a lot of the road teams are underdogs, uh, so dogs have gone thirty-one and twenty-seven as well for plus fourteen and a half units. Um, so you know, road dogs have obviously been a pretty good strategy so far in the playoffs. It's not definite that'll hold up throughout, but. Uh, that's been the trend so far. All right, good to know. Now we're going to shift focus. I know, you know, once the initial sheen is off the uh, the MLB season, you know, that first opening weekend, first few weeks happen, I think people start to lose focus, especially with the playoffs going on. But there's still a lot of great baseball strategies that betters can capitalize on. Uh, I guess I just want to start by, you know, definitely reminding everyone to check out our 2017 MLB betting against the public report. It's up over 150 units all time. This season, it's 9 and 10, but with plus 4.1 units won. Now, if you didn't read it, strategy sort of focused on betting against the public and heavily bet games, following reverse line movement, taking divisional underdogs, you know, and taking dogs in games with high totals. And a lot of those strategies on their own have been incredibly profitable this season. Uh, just looking at divisional games... Dogs are 142 and 155 with plus 30 units won against divisional opponents. 
Uh, and those same underdogs have gone just 45 and 78 with 22 units lost in all other games. So we're talking about a 50-unit swing between dogs in divisional games and dogs against non-divisional opponents. And again, this is something where the familiarity sort of levels the playing field uh, and it benefits the team that's getting plus money. Uh, because, you know, as you can see, those dogs still have a losing record, but because you're getting them consistently with that plus money, uh, they are up over 30 units. Uh, similarly, we've seen that dogs are just 142 and 184 with 1.6 units lost when the closing total is less than 9. Uh, when the closing total is 9 or higher, they've gone 45 and 49 with uh, 9.7 units won. So again, divisional dogs, dogs with high totals, uh, those strategies continue to pay off. In terms of betting against the public, teams that are getting no more than 40% of money line tickets have gone 127 and 116, and those teams are up 47 units on the season. Uh, and, you know, specifically the contrarian favorites, which we don't really see very often, uh, but those teams are killing it, and their ROI is you know 40.2% right now. Now, ideally, you like underdogs in games with high totals. So conversely, you do want to target favorites when there are lower totals. Um, right now, there's three contrarian favorites today, but all of the totals are eight and a half or higher. Uh, so you might want to look for you know other more ideal opportunities to take these contrarian favorites. Also, want to remind everyone our. Uh, our best bets have gone 66 and 56 with plus 12.6 units won in baseball this year. Uh, our contrarian plays are only 15 and 12 with plus 6.6 .6 units won. I know we've had some questions about the actual volume, uh, but we've recently made a few tweaks to our contrarian strategy, so you should see uh, an increased number of plays in the upcoming weeks and months. Also, just want to take this time to once again sort of remind you of how important it is, to, you know, during the long baseball season to have a great source for weather. And I know, you know, I personally love our weather page, not just because it'll, you know, tell you what the conditions are in terms of precipitation and temperature, but the wind and the wind direction. Because, you know, like we said, when the wind's blowing out, the over's done great. When the wind's blowing in, the under's done great. Super simple, but it continues to be profitable. And you can sort of see how much this is impacting totals across the market. Uh, you know, just yesterday uh, in the Cubs game, you had 15 mile an hour winds blowing in at Wrigley Field. And we, we saw the total drop from eight to six and a half at Chris. Uh, so, you know, that's a one and a half point move. And a lot of that was based on the fact that you've got these, you know, these crazy high wind speeds. Um, you know, if you're looking for today's game, the Tigers A's game, there's 16 mile an hour winds blowing out to right field. And ideally, you want that blowing out to dead center. But again, that total's only seven and a half, so it might be a decent over opportunity. Also want to... Uh, to recommend you check out our blog where uh, our co-worker Mark, i.e. Biff Tannen, uh, just published an article about how you could sort of capitalize on overreactions to the first month of the MLB season, where bettors really start placing their value on what's happened over the first month, and they start overlooking teams that, you know, have talent. So, you know, specifically teams that made the playoffs last season. Uh, teams with losing records in May or June uh, have earned 56.5 units when they made the playoffs the previous year, and they've lost 193 units when they've missed the playoffs the previous year. So again, fairly simple strategy. I wouldn't recommend blindly betting it uh, just because the ROI is, is not fantastic. But you know, teams like the Blue Jays, teams like the Giants that uh, you know, have struggled to start the season but obviously have tons of talent on their roster, uh, this might be an excellent buy-low opportunity for them. I also want to give one more shout-out to our colleague Mark uh, who before the season recommended taking Aaron Judge to win the home run crown at 80-1. to 1. And 
right now that's looking like a fantastic bet. Uh, he's the favorite to win the home run title at plus 450, and he also has the second best odds of winning the AL MVP at plus 550. Uh, Mike Trout, yeah, he remains the, uh, the odds-on favorite at minus 130, despite his team's struggles, uh, but obviously he continues to put up huge numbers. My preseason launch shot was Francisco Lindor at 60-1. to 1. He's got the third best odds at plus 650, uh, but it'll really be interesting to see because uh, I can't see him putting up better statistics than Trout. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how much voters end up weighing you know, the team performance versus the individual performance. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to us this week. If you're not a member, I want to recommend you check out our free odds page at sportsinsights.com free. That'll get you, you know, odds, betting percentage, and some of our injury updates. But if you're looking for a lot more of that in-depth analysis and you're looking for access to our money percentages, to our steam moves, reverse line movement alerts, contrarian plays, best bets, line watcher, line predictor, sign up for a four-day trial of Sportsbook Insider Pro for $49, and we can help you start making smarter bets today. We've also recently introduced a nightly betting hangout with our customer service manager, Josh. That runs every Monday to Friday from 6.30 to 7. So if you're looking for somebody to discuss the games with right before tip-off or first pitch, uh, it's an excellent opportunity, and you know the numbers are growing by the day. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. Thanks again for listening, and good luck.